And this is something I learned when I worked at Apple from my manager. He he was like, my job, my one job is to know where you're where you want to go and to help you get there. And so if, if there's any kind of roadblock that I can move out of the way to help make that happen, then I'm doing my job well. And so I felt like really taken care of. As soon as he said that, I felt a lot more at ease because when I told him what I wanted to do, our ideas were in alignment. And and so a lot of people, I think, go about this in a very private, secretive way, right? I want to become a principal of the firm, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to work really hard and do it um, because because there's some bigger reward in the end, right? Well, no. And it's probably going to take you a lot longer to get there if you do, if you take that tact. I mean, it's it's definitely something where you need to let these people around you know so that, number one, they can hold you accountable. Number two, they can help you get there. And, and if people aren't helping you get there or they aren't removing those roadblocks, then you need to find another person, another mentor, another team, some way so that you can actually achieve those goals so that you feel fulfilled in your career. Welcome to Archispeak, a fortnightly podcast about all things architecture. My name is Evan Troxel, and I'm one of your hosts, along with Neil Pan and Cormac Phelan. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in the profession of architecture? Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and don't know what you're getting yourself into, or perhaps you know exactly what it's like because you've been working in the profession for a long time, and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about our passion, architecture. It's time for some Archispeak. Welcome to episode 83 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Archispeak is sponsored by Arccat. Check out all of the features they offer at arccat.com. We're also sponsored by Roundhouse PM. We'll talk more about each of them later in the show. Next up, we have some friends of the show to announce. We've got one new friend of the show, and that is Tom Wilcox. And Tom, thank you very much for your donation. We really appreciate it. Uh, And anybody who would like to become a friend of the show and help make this show possible, we are uh, partially supported by listeners like you. You can do that at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate. Any donation over $5 will get your name read on the air if you choose, and you can always tell us if you don't want that to happen. So we have had some anonymous donors lately, and we thank all of those as well. Uh, And again, thanks to Tom for his donation to the podcast. All right. So uh, now that I'm working for a larger, more corporate firm that's got several hundred employees, uh, we were uh, just sent out our goals and expectations form. And uh, it was asking for, specifically, it was asking for five um, smart goals, um, four or five, I guess, uh, well-defined goals um, using the SMART acronym, which, of course, you know, I had to look up to make sure. I was like, okay, so what are they asking for? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, It's actually smart goal, on the form, by the way. Well, I didn't even, I I read the email before I opened up the form and then of course started doing a web search and looking for examples. (laughs) So what is, so what is, what should my goals goals? be? (laughs) What did somebody else say my goal should be? Yeah. Um, Goals for architects in Google. (laughs) 
Ooh. I'm going to try Hulk. that while okay, you're Hulk. talking. Can, can we po- can, yeah, can we pause this for a second? Let me uh, no. So smart, smart is an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. Mm. What I get out of it is that everybody really honestly should have a goal for their career. You know, and you've got long-term goals and short-term goals, you know, things like, you know, I want to get LEED certified or I want to get licensed or, you know, I want to um, attend certain um, professional development things throughout the year. You know, and so these are things that are relevant to your career path, which is the R, just to let you all know. Oh, see, <laughs> good, um, good call. Exactly. But then there are also, you know, things like, say, in, say for instance, um, you know, in, in our particular, and in fact, even Evan, I believe it, in yours, your firm, you know, there, there's studios. Um, and so each of them may have a certain um, type of building that they work on or whatever. And so, you know, some of these goals can be and probably should be aligned with the you know type of buildings that you are working on and you know want to keep working on um and so you know they they sent out this form that you know i believe probably needs to be done by the end of the week and i haven't started it so apparently one of my goals should be to stop procrastinating (laughs) there you go Um, you're a project manager you're not supposed to procrastinate Jeez. Uh, well, I mean, well, we even have goals for the show, right? So I, I, oh, sure. I, I think that, yeah, absolutely, everybody should have goals. And I, it might be interesting to kind of talk about, you know, I have personal goals. I have professional goals. I have – we have goals for the podcast. I have goals for my kids. So there's all kinds of th- different ways to do kind of goal setting at different levels. Um, I know, like, I, I was just remembering like Mark LePage, he, he used to do a bunch of goals every year and I think he ended up cutting it down to just one for entrepreneur architect. And he was like, I just want to achieve this one goal this year because it's, it is easy to get distracted. And then at the end of the year, if you, it's like new year's resolutions as, oh, yeah. they, as they fall off the map and you realize that you're not doing them, it's pretty discouraging. Or if you get to the end of the year and you've realized that you didn't do any of them or maybe just, you know, one of them or whatever, um, the number is you, you, it's, it's not something you want to feel bad about. So people tend to start avoiding those. Yeah. Like setting up that, you know, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. And by Super Bowl Sunday, you've actually gained 15 extra. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, Super Bowl, Evan, that's a sporting event. <laughs> yeah. Go. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so I, I think it's kind of cool that your company sends out this. It's at least they've thought of this, and I think to me that the the thing that's important to kind of read between the lines here, not knowing kind of the ideas that they had in mind when they sent this out, are I mean, number one, they're creating something for you and your supervisor to talk about, and so it becomes personal, right? It's about your personal de- development at this point, because really these goals are really you within the company kind of goals, right? And the, and the good thing about uh, this particular company and, and is that um, because it's employee-owned, there are clear paths of advancement. You, you can become an associate. You can become a senior associate. Then you can become, uh, you know, the principal track and, and things like that. You know, and so there are rewards for, one, establishing goals and sticking to them. And then... Um, you know, really kind of like working towards them so that you're 
being a contributor to the firm because, you know, um, especially as a uh, employee owned, I mean, it's not just, you know, driven by management. It's driven by all of the people, you know, the success and failure is basic based off of what level of effort you're going to put into the firm. And, you know, this kind of helps establish whether or not what you feel are going to be your measurable contributions are, and that's the M of smart. Nice. (laughs) Um, But I mean, if, if you, you know, these are, these are things that sitting down with your manager or your, you know, your principal or something and, and figuring out whether or not what you believe are your contributions to the firm are aligned with the vision of management of the firm. Well, and, and then beyond that, I think that if people feel like they're accomplishing things at their job, then they feel like they're worth goes up and they have more job satisfaction. And so it, it, I can see how it works both ways, right? It's, it's something that works in the company's favor, but it also works in the employee's favor or it should. Oh, absolutely. Because ultimately like your manager, your supervisor needs to know about your goals so that they can get the roadblocks out of the way so that you can achieve them. I mean, they are not going to achieve them for you, but if they don't know what they are, then they don't know what the problems are for you to actually achieve that or, or what they need, what they can help you with to make that happen. And so to me, and this is something I learned when I worked at Apple from my manager, he, he was like, my job, my one job is to know where you're, where you want to go and to help you get there. And so if, if there's any kind of roadblock that I can move out of the way to help make that happen, then I'm doing my job well. And so I felt like really taken care of. As soon as he said that, I felt a lot more at ease because when I told him what I wanted to do, our ideas were in alignment. And and so a lot of people, I think, go about this in a very private, secretive way, right? I want to become a principal of the firm, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to work really hard and do it um, because because there's some bigger reward in the end, right? Well, no. And it's probably going to take you a lot longer to get there if you do, if you take that tact. I mean, it's it's definitely something where you need to let these people around you know so that, number one, they can hold you accountable. Number two, they can help you get there. And, and if people aren't helping you get there or they aren't removing those roadblocks, then you need to find another person, another mentor, another team some way so that you can actually achieve those goals so that you feel fulfilled in your career. Agree. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're interested, but I started to kind of develop my list. I would love to know what things. you're getting. Yeah, do it. A lot of these come from me transitioning from a smaller firm. I've always worked for smaller firms, whether it's like, you know, a five man or, or actually a two man operation through, uh, next one was a five man operation and a seven man operation to even a, a, even though it was a larger firm, the particular office that we worked in was only like 25 people. So it was all I ever knew was 25 people. And, and and that's a manageable task. But now that I'm in an office where just our particular office itself is, you know, well over a hundred, 120 people, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting challenges in the way that they've, you know, divided and conquered the, the way each project, you know, goes from, you know, marketing and working within the planning department, working with the, you know, designers, working with project managers, working with spec writers and, and lead people. And so there's, there's a lot more people involved in a project than I've 
been used to over my the course of my career. And so a lot of my goals started to look at how I was going to be able to, you know, more or less work and and uh, contribute to, you know, the the larger firm as a as a whole. Um, and, and you know things like, uh, you know, improving my inner office or inner team communication. Where because being a project manager in a small firm, where your team may be, I'm the designer, I'm the project manager, I'm the production, I am the spec writer. Um, and I've got, you know, a couple of people that, you know, worked with me, maybe sometimes it was, you know, kind of a solo project sometimes, you know, maybe had two, three people. And so that's kind of a manageable kind of, that's a manageable team that, you know, you don't really have to deal with. And so one of the things that I've well, you don't have to do. You you have to deal with, but it's a manageable team. And now that I'm getting used to this whole bigger machine as part of, and I, I'm calling it a machine, but I actually look at it as um, now I don't have to write the specs all the time. Now I don't have to think about this all the time. Now I don't. I have people who are doing QA QC instead of me, and so now my time is more spent on being able to focus on both the macro and micro visions of the project. I'm able to like manage the project portion of itself um, a lot easier. And I, and I think that, um, you know, these are, these are things that, um, you know, are, are going to be an interesting learning curve for me, um, but are part of the, this whole goal setting that I'm yeah. uh, doing for this particular year. Um, You've got to yeah. learn to let go, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. in fact, actually, that was that was one of the next ones I was going to say is learning how to let go, learning how to accept help, learning how to just say, you know, oh, no, no, don't worry, I'll, I'll get that. You know, instead of doing that, I can actually say, oh, OK, go ahead. Yeah. It's all you, man. Well, and, and part of that is you caring about what other people want to achieve. I mean, it, it makes sense if everybody kind of, well, at least the, the people around you or the people on your team, if you know what their goals are, like. I've got someone on my team who is really good technically and they want to do some project management, right? And so how do we get them to the point where they can do project management? I mean, that's partly my job is to figure that out, right? And so it's not 100% my job, but I want to create opportunities for people once I know what their goals are. And it's the same thing for you. Like, Exactly. It's not just that these are the things that you don't have to do anymore. It's that you can actually create opportunities for the people around you to do them for you or to do them instead of you so that they grow professionally, right? Because it's things that they're not used to doing, potentially. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, it, it's very much the same edge that we have about, you know, our view on mentoring is these are the people that, you know, the people who are junior to us are the people that we want to take have learn and grow and take over for us so we can move up and move on to the next challenge in our career and feel comfortable that when we step away from whatever project role we were working on, that it's in the, in the hands of somebody, you know, capable and, and has this, you know, similar drives or, or even, you know, bigger and greater drives. Um, and so that, you know, that, that's really kind of helpful to your, you're right. And actually, uh, I believe that will be going on my list is, you know, to help, (laughs) 
to help establish goals of, yeah. of junior staff as and well. And that's you being a leader from where, right where you are, right? Leader is not a title in the company. And I'm sure that everybody's heard this before because this is used a lot. But leadership is not a title in the company, even though a lot of people look at it that way, right? People mm-hmm. at the top are leaders. Well, not necessarily. I mean, they're they're there because of a lot of different reasons, right? They could be there because of they've, how long they've been there, they were hired in at a certain position, whatever. But it doesn't mean that they're leaders. Right. What, what you are talking about right now is being a leader for those people, which is you having, you know, empathizing in their position and figuring out ways to help them grow. And that is the kind of leadership that you can do from, it doesn't matter where you are in the company. If you can help somebody else move into a, a position that they want to be into, that right there is leadership. And that's that's a very, very needed and necessary thing in, in companies. Uh, it's just leading from from your position, wherever you are. As an interesting side thought, have you, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed, and um, Neil, you've noticed this as well, but, you know, that there there tends to be almost this self-preservation, self-protective type mode where people try to, I don't necessarily want to say sabotage, but not assist other people in their growth so that you can assure your own like security and safety within the firm. So you can say, well, you know, yeah, I told him to do all of this, but he, he just won't. And, and so I had to do it for him and talking about, you know, these, the, the leadership role of things and, and just the, the basic growth of, you know, yourself and the company. I mean, none of that is ever really helpful. It kind of, it, I think it's counterproductive. And, and again, like I said, it's just a, a pure side thought, but thinking about um, firms of the past and, and, you know, the way things have worked in the past, you know, it's just everybody's, uh, you know, somewhat worried about, you know, self-preservation. And I think if one of your goals is to really kind of be a mentor and be a leader, um, you know, kind of understand that being a leader is helping other people grow. And if they grow past you, you should actually take that as more of a compliment than, you know, something that makes you worry about your own, you know, your own self-preservation. I totally, I, I, it's everywhere. It's rampant in our profession. I mean, this is an yeah. old, old white dude's club, right? And and it's because of that type of protectionism that holds a lot of the things back that should be happening in businesses and in, in these different these different firms, these, all, the, all the different levels of the profession, it's, it's total BS, I think. Uh, and it's exactly how you're explaining it. It's, it's people who are protecting their position um, out of fear, right, for being replaced when they're not quite ready to go yet. And, and really, like, the opposite should happen. The opposite is, again, what you alluded to, which is you should be fostering growth for people and you should be finding your actively finding your replacement to come in and and take your place at some point in time and be, so that the profession can get to the next level so that your firm can get to the next level because like me as a father i always use this analogy when i'm explaining this to people like i want my kids to do better than me and oh, i think yeah. we should do the exact same thing in our firms it's like I don't want my kids to make the same mistake, so I'm going to teach them the things that I've learned. But there are so many times in the firms that we work in where people want to hide that stuff and protect it so that they're not pointed out as failures when really it's like those are the huge learning experiences that we can have. 
it it drives me absolutely crazy, and it, I think it's everywhere. It, it's not just architecture; it's corporate America, but and it's probably corporate everywhere. Let me give you a, a great example of something that I thought was just um, fantastic about where where I've landed. There was a a guy that I used to work with at another firm that you know was always. He was there and he was killing himself and he was trying to do the best that he can. He was trying to learn more. And, you know, they always kept telling him that, well, you know, you need to uh, just sit back and don't worry about that because it's above your pay grade. Or when he would produce all of this stuff, he'd have the uh, the firm um, principals or somebody basically patting themselves on the back for um, all of his hard work. And rarely, if ever, or probably never, you know, at least letting that, you know, oh, the you know client loved it, you know, thank you for your hard work kind of thing. And it was just kind of a, you know, all right, um, yeah, you did your job, you know, your thanks is your paycheck yeah. kind of idea. And That's a great morale builder. Yeah. And so he actually, he, so he's now working with me at this new firm. And so, you know, he's been killing himself, you know, trying to more or less show this new firm, you know, what he can do. And, and, and I did the same thing. And, you know, we kind of joke about how, you know, like he's very similar and, you know, just trying to like overwork himself just to kind of like show everybody, look everybody what I can do. And, you know, unfortunately set himself up to like, you know, constantly be, you know, viewed upon as like the, uh, um, over promiser kind of thing. Um, even though he he's achieving it all, but what was great about it is that the the client, you know, huge client too, huge university client, um, they had sent off a really uh, nice thank you to the firm about how how great they did and everything else, and the firm principal um, emails back to the to the university um, to the client and basically said, you know. Thank you very much, but almost all of the credit goes to the hard work of this guy. And it was so great, and it was such a, you know, to me, being, you know, both his friend and, you know, co-worker of his, um, seeing the struggles that he went through in this other firm to see him, um, you know, appreciated and, uh, and, and just, you know, kind of, not just at the firm level, but, you know, in front of the clients and everything else, just really given that, you know, enormous pat on the back was just, you know, amazing. And that right there will go so far in the way that this guy, one, you know, approaches his his projects and his work ethic and just, you know, he knows that he's actually appreciated. So he's going to give them more. I don't know how much more he can give them because he's like, killing himself. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it just worth more than money. But yes. it, it it honestly it really is because yep. then it actually makes you feel like you are contributing and not just you know you're you know, you're not just part of a sweatshop, but you're actually part of the team. Yep, simple, right? It was easy for that principal yep. to do that. It was the right thing to do, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna get mileage, right? Oh yeah, so that's a cool thing. Absolutely. Let's take a quick sponsor break. Let's talk about RCAT. What's the one thing we all do in our practice? Search the internet for content, right? Well, I thought we, career goals. Career goals? <laughs> That's what we're talking about on this episode. But, but normally, you know, we're searching the internet for content. We're looking for answers, right? And where do we find those answers? How about 
checking out RCAT. RCAT is an online resource devoted to bringing content to the building professional. They have huge libraries you can access, and they don't hit you up for subscriptions. There are no fees, and they won't make you register for downloading the content. We have all been there. You finally find the right file, and you get blocked by the registration pop-up. You think, thanks for wasting my damn time. I'll find it somewhere else. <laughs> I think I ad-libbed there. <laughs> anyway, our cat's BIM library. Well, that's how I feel, damn it. <laughs> it's right, though. It's, it's right. Yes, exactly. So our cat's BIM library is really second to none and available in just about any format you need. In fact, their entire BIM library is formatted for the last five versions of Revit. Their CAD detail library has thousands of CAD details. And if you need specs, the RCAT library is the most consistent library you will find. Every single spec is written in the CSI three-part format. There's so much more on the site, including catalogs, videos, and spec wizard. Go to ArtCat.com or, or download their app to check it all out. It's a great free resource that you don't have to register to use. Visit them at ARCAT.com. And thanks to ARCAT for sponsoring this episode of ARCASpeak. All right, so I have, a, I have a question for you beyond the corporate goal setting that you've been asked to do. Do you guys do any kind of personal goal setting for your, I don't know, it doesn't have to be totally personal, but it could be career that something that you're not turning in to an office or just doing for yourself. Let me ask a question. Does it have to be written down to be a goal? I don't, I don't think it has to be. I don't think there's any rules. Okay. Okay. So now you get to answer. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, yes, generally. Um, I have goals. Um, I think it might help uh, to write them down. I know uh, Mark LePage uh, has talked about that and, um, and also our friend um, over, uh, Bob Borson over at Life of an Architect talked about it. Actually, his uh, Importance of Settings Goals article was written back in 2010. So, um, you know, that, yeah, I found that I Google search for my uh, career goals as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some more goals from the Google search. You should put together a master list that anybody can copy and paste from. <laughs> and they'll be in our show list, <laughs> uh, our show notes list, I should say. Um, but you know, um, I think it would help to to write them down. It's always good to kind of, uh, I guess it's kind of maybe the New Year's thing is to kind of uh, evaluate your goals. Um, but having them written down or at least, you know, maybe as Mark uh, suggested, the one goal um, to have something that is measurable so that, why, you know, throughout the year or, at, you know, at some point in time, you can look back and say, am I am I still going on that goal? Uh, to kind of reevaluate where you are and maybe where you are either with your own firm as a as a sole proprietor or as a small firm or as a person within a larger structured firm um, you know what what are your goals and are you achieving them and and sometimes with i think the the day to day or um, as as many of us experienced over the recession, the kind of survival mode we were all in that uh, it's really easy to lose sight of maybe what your goals are because you're so busy just trying to stay alive. And, uh, and I think now, now is, is a good time for anybody, you know, or, or the early part of the year is to kind of look at the, 
at what your goals might be, um, especially as we've you know, come out of this recession and as we may look to the next several years. So having, you know, short-term goals and maybe some, you know, the three to five year goals um, and then something to check back on and, and see how you're doing on those. So that's kind of my thoughts on, on, on that a little bit. And, and yes, I should probably do it more. Cormac, what about you? What he said. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I, I mean, you know, honestly, you know, Neil did, you know, summarize it pretty well. Um, the only thing that I probably need to do is set the goal of actually like writing some of these down, um, which is interesting, you know, in, in, I think, you know, just to kind of echo, you know, both what Neil said and, and definitely what Marcus said in that writing it down, keeps it in your mind and it keeps it somewhat tangible to be able to like see it all the time and say, okay, this is something that I'm working towards, you know, as weird as it sounds, I mean, I do have a lot of like for my projects and stuff, I'll actually like write out all my milestones or write out all of the like weeks needs that the project has on, on a post-it notes and stick them to my monitor. And as I'm working through, I'll either, you know, put, you know, strike a line through them or just peel off that, you know, that one, if it's, you know, taking up a, an entire sticky note and just kind of it, it one reorganizes it because it looks a little cluttered with the, you know, all these tabs stick sticking off the side of my monitor, but it kind of helps give me almost a visual, uh, me being the visual learner, you know, kind of keeps it right there in my peripheral vision that I've got all of this stuff that I need to do. Um, you know, it, it, these are the, you know, these short term goal kind of things, but I haven't really been very, um, successful on, on looking at the, or at least writing down and tracking the long term goals. Um, but I think that yeah. there's just, you know, that, that small minor step between, you know, the, the one thing that I am reasonably good at is the, you know, achievable milestones slash short term goals. Yeah, long-term goals are hard. I mean, it's it, it's super easy to lose track of them. And and really, you have to do the milestone thing that you talked about, I think. And if you're doing it, I, I, I think there's two different things here. There's the corporate thing, right, which typically I think is probably on a once-a-year schedule. It probably coincides with your yearly review or, or you know, it depends on the company. But I would say that's probably typical, which I think is pretty stupid way to do it because, again, it's just – a year apart, it's too easy to not do anything with them. And then it's like, right. well, you're just wasting your time and everybody's time even writing them down if you're not going to do them. Um, and, and then when it comes time for some your so-called supervisor to review them and they don't even know what they are and they don't know how, how far you got or they don't know if you just decided not to do them. And it, it just, it's a really awkward conversation at that point. So, I mean, really, if, if you – this is the key to me for any kind of goal setting is – Setting up some kind of schedule, put it on your calendar when you're going to revisit those goals. And and for me, it's I have what I do. My wife and I, we get together every three months and we do goal setting. And so we do 30, 60, and 90 days. I mean, what do I want to achieve in 30, 60, and 90 days for all these different areas of my life? Because I have found, I mean, everybody's probably different, but I can only achieve these things if I work a little bit on them every single day or every other day because if i don't it's just not going to happen right and so 
this is exactly how I got my license. And this is exactly how I've been working on my trailer for the last year plus is every single day working on that. And then setting these milestones, 30, 60, 90, so that I revisit those and say, okay, I hit that one. I hit that one. And man, it feels really good to check those off. Really good. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What happens if you don't hit them? Do do you get the opposite feeling? Like, oh, I'm crushed. I didn't hit that 60 day I never, I never get crushed. I, and the reason is, is because I am making progress and, and I don't feel like they're not like life or death goals. Right. Um, and so there's no reason to feel crushed, but at the same time, if it is obvious to me, if I'm not making progress on a goal, that it should not be a goal, right? That's an easy way for me to decide that, okay, that should not even be on the list because it is clearly not a priority for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. Although, you know, that whole 30, 60, 90 day thing, that's so counterintuitive to my belief of uh, leap before I look kind of. Yeah. Like <laughs> how many, how many successful leaps have you had? You know, it, it, like those are, those are far and few between. I think it's, it's, it's yeah, your, yeah. it's your uh, prior planning. Prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, exactly. It, it's really cool to go back at the end of three or six months and actually see all of these things that I have achieved. And in the last year, actually in the last two years or three years now, it's been amazing to actually see the accomplishments kind of add up. And and nobody else really knows about them except for my wife and, and my kids probably know about a few of them. But but really, it's it's me and it builds momentum and it builds habit. And, yeah, and again, yeah. the only way you're going to accomplish these things is through habit. So to me, like these, the smart um, terminology that, that your company set out, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Time-bound is huge, right? We are all deadline-driven as architects. Right. And yeah. if you do not put a time frame to something, it is not a priority. It just will not happen. Because right. all the stuff that does have one is going to get your attention. I, I don't see it working any other way. So, so to me, it's interesting to have like corporate goals or career goals at work, but it's also, to me, it's really interesting because this is what I think is probably even more interesting than the corporate stuff is just the personal goals. What do you want to achieve? Like, well, then there's the, the next step in the evolution of it. And that's how do those, how do those two interweave together? Because then, you know, we start talking about, um, you know, how these balance between the two and how one can support the other. You know, because, I mean, to be successful at your job, you got to be successful, you know, in your personal life. Um, you know, not in successes, not this, ooh, I've made a lot of money kind of thing, but, you know, more of like a soul-enriching type success in, in my particular view. Um, and And so, you know, one helps the other, and when you've got problems in one, you're going to have... It, it'll it'll be the problems in the other. Yeah, I mean yeah. to give I, you're right, and it's multidimensional, right? It, it's like you've got you've got your goal, you've got your studio goal, you've got your for anything that you can help the development of the company achieve, and also help yourself out with as well. Is going to be that multidimensional approach, and so if you can align your goals with their goals or if you can make it so that your goals help their goals, that's going to be like you're doubling up on the amount of time you have to spend on this stuff, right? 
because right. you're automatically going to be either doing twice as much within the same amount of time or you're going to be able to take it further. So pro- professional development goals, like if you want to become an architect, that's going to help you. No one else can do that for you. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to give your company benefit by doing that. Oh, yeah. Right? If yeah. you want to do, if you want to perform extremely well on your project, that's not going to just help you, right? That's going to help the company and the project. It's going to help the client. And so, again, that kind of aspect of the multidimensionality of it is really going to help if you can if you can think that far ahead or if you can plan that out and lay it all out. It's going to be a huge deal for you if you can if you can do goals like that. And I guess what I'd be interested in hearing Neil from you, especially, is because I think it is harder when you're on your own. Um, this is just my perception to do this. Um, because you don't have the support necessarily of other people or you're not mentoring somebody maybe specifically, but in a small office situation, like what, if there's anything that you can speak about this, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that whole goal setting thing? I think you're absolutely right. You don't have that support structure. You don't have, uh, as we started the show off, um, HR sending you performance goals and expectations forms to fill out (laughs) reminders, (laughs) reminders. Yes. Uh, uh, to do that. So it really falls upon yourself, uh, to, to, to do make that happen. Have you ever done any kind of like strategy setting sessions or anything where you kind of, I know, so I know some architects who have, so that's why I'm wondering is like, do you do anything like proactively to say, here's what I want to try to achieve this year or this quarter or whatever? No, I haven't. And um, that's not, um, it's not a recommended uh, uh, strategy. Uh, Well, well, to me, I guess. Personally, it's not been, well, and I think the reason I probably haven't is because I've been more in the survival mode um, and and really haven't been able to, to take that step, uh, you know, to step aside or away and look objectively and to do that. So I, I, you know, I haven't done that. That's been a failure on my part, but, uh, it's something that I, I would recommend, uh, anyone who, you know, small firm or large firm, um, that you do that. And maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, to take an afternoon, um, uh, and, and get away and, and specifically do that. And maybe, you know, on a quarterly basis or, you know, and certainly more than an annual basis, if you're, especially if you're a small firm, uh, I highly recommend doing that. So, um, but I, I want to quickly, uh, or maybe just take a, a short side uh, tour here and, and ask you, Evan, um, what sort of tools do you use to kind of keep track of this 30, 60, 90 day uh, goals that you have. It's super analog. I actually just do it in my sketchbook. Okay. I, I used to do it on a roll of trace. I'd, I'd roll it out. So I'd have lots of room to write. And I felt like it wasn't the right tact because it wasn't with me. And so I just do it in my sketchbook and I go back through and I actually check them off in the sketchbook. And I, it's nice to me. I don't use any digital tools to do it. I mean, I, I totally could, I, I would probably use like Evernote or something like that. But, um, it's nice for me to flip through the pages back because typically my sketchbooks are full of they're, – they're not dedicated for sketching. They're, they're writing. They're lists. They're all kinds of things. And so it's nice to kind of flip back through all of the things that I've been through since I set those goals and kind of revisit those and get back to the goal-setting sheets, which is typically three or four pages 
because what I'll do is I'll actually I'll write out my goals and then I will break those into projects and I will start to break each one down and say, here's what I actually have to do to get to that point. And so I've got one for Arcaspeak. I've got one for Method. I've got one for my HMC career. I've got one for my projects that I'm working on on the side. I've got one for my trailer. I've got all of these categories. And then I just kind of go list the big bucket items there. Because then I can further break those down into actual tasks that I can that I can check off the list day to day. Because I feel like if you can't get down to the granular level of being able to check off a thing, um, that it doesn't have to be a single thing that you could accomplish in a day, but it has to be small enough that you can actually check it off and say, okay, move on to the next thing now, um, then it's not worth having that goal. Like if it's just a big lofty goal that right, you can't right. reverse engineer, then then what? there's like no hope, at least in my case. There's no hope of actually well, but, ever getting there. But, you know, even setting the big lofty goal... Those are dreams know, if, to me, and those are different if, than goals. <laughs> well, but if you're setting the big lofty goal of, of like, you know, this one thing, what you need to do and, and what you're talking about is set those small bite-sized intermediate goals that eventually get you to the big lofty goal... So that it doesn't seem like this insurmountable task that you'll yeah. never achieve because totally. it's so big, you know. It's because they're really taking the big. Yeah, there's nothing that big. Right. Seriously, <laughs> you actually can break everything down into a discrete set of steps, and you can check them off. You can actually yeah. do those, but you can't do the giant thing, right? And so, because every single goal you can do that with, and that's the only way you'll actually get anywhere. What does our friend Rosa say? Eat the whale. Eat the whale one, one bite, at, bite a at a time. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a perfect analogy because, you know, that is, it's the big insurmountable. If you're just looking at the whale itself as this big oh, yeah. insurmountable goal. You might as well not like, even do it, I'll right? I'll never be able to do that. Right. But as she says, you know, one bite at a time and it'll get you there. I think it's Henry Ford also that said, uh, whether you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. You know, so, exactly. so if you look at something that big and you say, like, I'll never be able to do that. Absolutely. You're absolutely yeah. right. You won't do that because that's your mentality. Right. But if you can think about it in a, in a logical way and reverse engineer it from from the end point backwards, then you could define how long it's going to take to actually happen. Right. Like you don't even have to know how long it's going to take when you're reverse engineering this thing. Once you do that, then you can actually apply a timeline to it. You know, we've we've all at one point in time worked for ourselves and, you know, we start, at least I started off with, and I'm sure you guys started off with, you know, establishing your business plan and your business plan <laughs> essentially, <laughs> well, maybe I should go the direction that we'll go, say, go ahead, make me like, look even so, worse. Go ahead. Yeah. So your, so your business plan is essentially your goals. You know, you're, you're establishing what you want to achieve with your business and we used to now you know granted uh when we when we started this thing and maybe we weren't as vigorous as we should have which you know essentially might have contributed to our demise um <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to find a nicer way to explain it but um this is you know, our that, last episode <laughs> <laughs> well it was just the Sorry you know we let everybody know yeah, but um, we never, so we established the business plan, 
But I think one of the things that we didn't do, especially in the time of the recession, was we never went back and reanalyzed, you know, these goals that we were setting for the firm and whether or not we were achieving them. Because we were, once we got into, as you were saying, Neil, the panic mode, all we were doing is trying to survive. Well, yeah, and this is what I call being on defense, right? And it's not yeah. – it's <laughs> you want to be on offense. Right, right. And and that's, and that's again, what um, I, I feel can, you know, contributed to our failure. You know, essentially is we went out of business because we were only prepared to react to – you know, we were we were only playing, you know, defense. And, and sure, they say, again, this is a sports analogy, Evan, so you can go ahead and I just out. gave you one, man. I'm yeah, on top of Evan, Evan I, I, I'm picking myself up off the floor after that one. <laughs> you know, they say defense wins uh, championships, but... Yeah, we saw know, that in Jan- February. <laughs> yeah, you, you, but just, you, you still do have to, uh, you know, score a couple of points just to... And I, I don't think we were... You know, we were always, you know, trying to survive. And, you know, and, and that's what uh, kind of pushed us towards failure. Um, and so I'm just curious. I mean, do you ever go back and reanalyze your business plan um, and kind of readjust or, or change course or change tact to, you know, help push yourself away from survival mode and more into thriving mode? Great question. Hold that thought. Okay. I'll hold that. Do thought. your second sponsor break first. Oh, do my. Oh, yeah. Now you're going to mess me all up. Okay. All right. I can do that. I just have to find it first. We're going to leave people in a cliffhanger here. Oh, but now I'll forget exactly what I was going to say. But uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so are you constantly struggling to stay on top of your projects? Are you constantly apologizing for past due submittals or RFIs? Are you tired of not having the latest drawings or pertinent information at your fingertips? at the moment you need them, at the office, or at the job site? The founders of Roundhouse have certainly felt that way. After researching in vain for the perfect software solution, they set off to create the best project management software that would help them stay on top of their growing practice. After years of collaboration with leading software developers and extensive use by their own firms, this cloud-based solution is now available to everyone. Regardless of the size of your firm, you too can benefit from this perfect merging of real-world practice experience and cutting-edge project collaboration that Roundhouse PM offers, all at an affordable price. On average, Roundhouse PM ends up costing only around $25 per project per month. Visit roundhousepm.com slash arcaspeak, all lowercase, and see for yourself everything Roundhouse PM can do for you. And while you're there, take a free test drive using the sample data provided to experience firsthand how it all has to offer. That address again is roundhousepm.com slash arcaspeak. And as we say, get into the roundhouse. And thanks, Roundhouse, for sponsoring this episode of Arcaspeak. And before we jump into the conversation, I mean, how timely is Roundhouse being our sponsor? Because, I mean, hell, we're talking about you know, goals. establishing goals and getting milestones, yeah. getting yeah. things done and, you know, and how do you manage that? And, you know, um, I'm a taking... firm believer in stacking the deck in your favor. And if there oh, are, absolutely. yeah, I use, I use a lot of tools. I don't just use my sketchbook to do this, but, um, <laughs> I, it... I was going to say this takes, you know, Evan's sketchbook and then, you know, 
pumps it full of steroids. That's and, right. And digitizes it. Help yourself. That's right. Exactly. All right, Neil. So the question was, do you ever go back and review your business plan? For your yeah. Um, I'd have to have a business plan, I think, to uh, to go back to it. I think when when I started, it was um, it was a survival mode technique because when I got laid off last in 09, it was more like there were no other jobs. So for me, that's how I kind of got started. And that's been my mentality, I think, all along. It's hard to shift gears, right? It's been very hard to shift gears, especially... <laughs> we're, we're creatures of habit. Right. And as things have gotten better, it's just kind of been, okay, well, I'm still... I've, I've still been in survival mode. And... And because I started off with that mindset. So for me, it's really, I need to take a step back and, and reevaluate what that mindset should be and then be proceed with dealing with goals. So there's some soul searching that has to happen for myself just personally about where I want to be as far as um, having my own firm and what that means to me and where it needs to go, I think. And that in and of itself is a goal. Right. Well, and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, whether it's a business plan or goals or whatever, that they're perfect and that they're well thought out and that they've, I don't think that we're, we, we should treat these things like study models. We should yeah. treat them like process. It's, Bec yeah. it's not something that has to be so perfect. And I feel like reevaluating is, is your, it's your chance to do course correction. Right? right. It doesn't mean correct it back on the track. It could mean veer to the right at that point. Right. It doesn't matter. Well, and I think also, too, you know, the, our Arcaspeak is a good example of that. I mean, we sort of, the way we started was we just dove right in. That's the, the leap before you look sort of uh, thing that Cormac mentioned earlier. But over time, we've developed goals and we've accomplished some and some we still are uh, getting to accomplish. Um, so I think you're absolutely right, Evan. It, 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 this is something of a study model that's evolved over time. Right. It, it wasn't the one and done kind of mentality of like, you know, okay, I'm done with this. This is set in stone and I can't change or deviate from this. It's got to be a living, breathing document, you right. know, kind of right, right. mentality where, you know, you do stop and reassess, okay, was this working or, okay, I made this decision based off of this goal that I set. Was that successful or, or did it suck? And, uh, well, it sucked. Well, then let's not do that again. And, you know, <laughs> but, kind of thing. But don't take that to mean, like, really seriously, do not take that to mean it is not worth doing. If you, oh, absolutely. You have yeah. to have a roadmap. You have to know where you're going if you're going to get there. And if you do not set the goal, you will never achieve it. Right? right. It it doesn't happen for you. I tell my kids this all the time. No one's gonna do this for you. You've got to do it. And and how you get there, and if you change your mind, and if you decide you don't want to play trombone and you want to play piano instead, like I don't care, man. As long as you're playing music, I want you to do one of those things. But it is so important that that you set this loose map, do it in pencil if you want in your sketchbook so that you can go back and erase it and make it look perfect later like you meant to do it the whole time, that's fine because that's for your eyes only anyways, right? I mean, nobody asks you, <laughs> this is a good example, you take all these architecture registration exams and there's seven of them. I mean, what happens if it takes you 10 tries to pass seven tests? Or what happens if it takes you 14 tries? Does anybody in the end really care? 
No. All that matters is that you got to the end. Nobody, it's it's like, it's just like nobody cares anymore what high school I went to. Nobody cares what the name of my degree was. Nobody cares what kind of awards I won when I was in school. It's it's that I got to where I am. And so no matter what that roadmap is that got you there, that's your map. And you get to own that. But But you've got to take the initiative in the beginning to say, here is what I'm going to achieve. I'm feeling so, inspired. Woohoo! <laughs> to use the the kid analogy, the I always tell my kids that you know, sure you're going to fail, um, but failure is one of the only ways, or is the only way to, for you to figure out how to succeed. I, I I totally think that that's awesome, Cormac, and and it's also important for us to point out when we do that, so that our kids actually see that it that it happens and that it's okay. And that it's acceptable, right? Because it's one thing to say it. Oh, you're going to fail. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, every single day, right? Um, but but you've got to actually be vulnerable enough to actually show that. And and the same thing within our firms. Like when we make a mistake, own it and move on. My kids do wonderfully in school. They get very good grades and everything like that. But, you know, they've got their extracurricular activities. You know, some of them play music. Um, others play sports and stuff. And... You know, the thing, my, uh, my, my middle, uh, kid, he, he's a taller kid in his class. And so he <laughs> wanted to try that. That's basketball. an understatement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a I've giant. I've seen the picture. He's a giant. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a giant. giant. Anyway, so, so he wanted to try basketball, you know, and he, he felt like he was going to be good. In, and he actually, you know, he's picked it up well. And, um, but you know, because he started so late, he feels frustrated because he's struggling at trying to catch up to some of the ball handling skills or some of the shooting abilities that some of the other kids on the team have. And I'm like, look, you can take a thousand shots and you can miss it a thousand times, but at least you can stand there and say, I tried a thousand times yep. and I'm trying to get better and I'm trying to succeed and I will eventually get there. But I I will get there because I worked at it and I worked hard to do it. And, you know, I tried. Um, and that's all I really want him to do is, you know, not give up after the first time. I yeah. want him to try as many times as it takes him to do it. And if he gets to the point where he doesn't feel like he really wants to keep going with basketball, I'm fine. But I don't want him to just give up because he thinks he sucks. And then the reason that he sucks is because he never tried. Once he says he's going to do it, I'm going to kind of push him to keep trying until he can actually either prove to himself that he can or prove to himself that he can't. But again, yeah. you'll never know until you try. It's hard with kids. I mean, we we definitely put pressure on our kids to be perfect a lot. And I think that that comes from, I mean, me personally, I guess I should just speak for myself and my wife. <laughs> we <laughs> We put a lot of pressure on the kids to do things right. And we do it all the time. And at the same time, I hate it. And so my similar situation, my middle son wanted to play soccer, he never played soccer before. He's he's 10 years old and he's not good at it, right? It's his first season. And what was so awesome, I mean, I, I tell myself this all the time. I wish I could be like him because he ha has so many things to teach me because he doesn't put that kind of pressure on himself. And I, it was so great to watch him play all season long and, and fail in my eyes, right? Or in anybody's eyes. It's like, right, oh, he's right. so terrible, right? But I cannot believe how much fun he had. And he, at the end of the season, the coach has the pizza party and the coach brings him up 
And he said, I wish every kid on this team could be like Jackson. Because every single day, he was smiling and grinning and laughing and having a great time on the field. And that is ultimately what this is all about. Right? Nice. And and to me, I mean, I'm like, that was like the super proud moment. And, and And it taught me so much. Because we put so much pressure on ourselves to accomplish these goals, to do it as fast as possible, to work more efficiently. And, and a lot of our goals should just actually happen organically, but we don't allow them to. So while we should have that roadmap, man, we should stay as flexible as we can during that and take some of that pressure off of us. While, while there are some goals that are worthy of the pressure, there are a lot of goals that aren't, and they should just happen organically. Because as a uh, sign that was on my father's computer um, as I was growing up, it was on his desk, and then it kind of like moved to his little uh, CRT um, computer, uh, his monitor. It it used to say, "The only job that you start from the top is well digging." You know, you've got to work. You got to work at it. Yep. You got to. You want to get totally. to the top. You got to work at it. The whole point of that thing was is if you start at the top, there's only one place to go but down. Yeah. You know, when we're all starting from the the bottom, there's only one place to go but up. You get all that experience, yeah. Learn what works and what doesn't and adjust exactly. and pivot and all those buzzwords. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, I'm excited to to uh, see what your guys' goals for the year are here. We'll come back and revisit this. That'll uh, be our goal. Every, every 30, 60, 90 days? 30, 60, 90. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard schedule to stick to, but man, it's it's really cool to actually be able to measure your... It is, and it's actually very admirable because I think, you know, it's Again, it's that reassessing to find out what works, what doesn't work, and what needs to be changed to, you know, achieve that ultimate thing that you set for yourself. And you'll forget to do it. I mean, honestly, you have to put it in your calendar. You have to schedule it or it's not going to happen. Right. So, yeah, it's a reminder. It pops up on my calendar. Goals. It's funny because a friend of mine saw that pop up on my screen. Goals. What's that? And I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> when I set, try to do the goal setting session. It's like, what a novel idea. I think you should title that Beetlejuice. So when it pops up, it just says Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. You'll, you'll know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind if somebody else sees it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that one wraps it up. So visit our website at Arcaspeak Podcast for links to our catalog of episodes. You can also sign up for our newsletter that includes links to everything we mentioned in the episode. Between episodes, join the conversation by leaving comments on ArcaSpeakPodcast.com and on our Facebook page or Twitter. Links can be found by visiting the site, ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.
Cross that face 